Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tanked Up. We are the uh, now self-proclaimed world's best transatlantic craft beer and video game podcast. I say transatlantic because I am joined this week by the returning Adil Koji. Hello. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm uh, native Nova, Nova Scotian now. Nice. Settled back in? Yeah. Uh, well, more like settled in. Uh, we had moved sort of three weeks before I went, came to Bristol last time. Yep. Um, and uh, didn't have uh, really a house. It was mostly boxes and stuff. And so have an office okay. set up now, you know. Nice. Someone to podcast from. Yeah. Although I'm actually in the basement because our internet is absolutely shoddy. <laughs> Upstairs. Fair it was fine yesterday nice. when we were Skyping, but today uh, I could barely download uh, anything uh, faster than 78 kilobytes a second. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. That's not what you want. How am I supposed to load my so, iMac with um, all kinds of games if I can't download Yeah, man. Kills, kills your gaming. Kills your gaming. Um, you may notice that it is uh, just I, Ben Nother, on my lonesome in Bristol today. We're not joined by Alex. He's just busy. If you'd listened to last week's episode, you'd know that we're finding it more and more difficult to find time to game and to podcast. Yeah. Just because life is so busy. You finding that, Adol? Yeah. Is life just too busy? Pretty much. That's the same reason why I wasn't on last week's podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Scheduling difficulties. Right. Let's get into it. We're going to drink some beers and talk about some games, games that we've been playing over the last, I think, two weeks now. Um, but because Adol and myself are in different countries, we're going to be drinking different beers. So it's a little bit different this week. We're not all going to be sharing the same beer and discussing it. We're just going to give you a very swift rundown of each of the beers that we're drinking. So Adol, why don't you, uh, why don't you let us know what you're drinking first? For sure. Uh, first up is the Shock Top Belgian White. It's a Belgian-style white beer from the Shock Top Brewery, uh, which is from St. John's, I believe, or is it Halifax? I should have done my research. Um, local Local, yeah, Eastern Canada, which um, in Canadian uh, brewing standards, if it's the, if it's the province, it's, it's considered a local brewery. Brew, pretty much. Okay. Nice, nice. Well, I'm going to start with um, a signature brew, Vienna Lager. We had a signature brew in the last podcast. Um, I believe it was a, an IPA, the backstage IPA. Um, and Alex and I thought it was quite coppery. Um, so I'm wondering if this will be any different just to uh, a standard Vienna Lager as well, whether it's got that metallic y taste to it as well. See, I'm gonna get this back open. Ooh, sounds good. My beer did not open with this as loud of a fanfare, unfortunately. No, oh, it's almost in stereo now. Not in stereo. What am I talking about? It's an echo. Mm. As two beers are opened. Only zero. This, this, uh, it smells. It smells good for a lager. 
This one's very light. Mmm. Get a huge hit of a, of a nice citrus, particularly lemon, which uh, most people like to throw um, orange in their white beers, so it's sort of nice to have it. Um, I will say that the uh, they mention on the label that it's um, brewed with coriander, orange, lemon, and lime peel. Uh, but I nice. think the lemon stands out the most on the nose. Yeah, I mean, this... Um it's uh, Vienna Lager is almost like a, a standard sort of um, not a standard lager, but it's it's very light. It's quite delicate. I'm not getting sort of any um, you know fruitiness or anything like that. But there's a slight bit of well, do I think there's a slight bit of lemon there? Maybe. Or is it me saying lemon enough times? Could be. Could be. Tastes good, though. Excellent. Mm, it tastes very good. Right, so we shall start, I think, this week with you, Adol, because I've only played the same game that I talked <laughs> about in the last podcast. So massive! Fair enough. Um, but yeah, uh, I I'll, I'll say, let you begin. I'll say this about Chalk Top. I'm completely wrong. It's from St. Louis. Um, not Eastern Canada. Okay. Whoever introduced me to Shock Top, which is quite popular here in Nova Scotia, just told me it was yeah. local, and I assumed they weren't lying to me, which apparently they were. <laughs> uh, so Shock Top, a St. Louis beer, uh, they do a bunch of different ones, and uh, it being the summer, the Belgian White is sort of the one that they are actually pushing on their website and advertising. Nice, anyway. nice. A, a summer beer then. Yeah. I, um, I will sort of... I think the first game I'll discuss is a game I didn't really get to play. Okay. Um, so coming home involved me uh, to an actual unpacked, uh, partially unpacked house meant, meant that uh, previously in Halifax, every, my like main gaming computer was in storage, and so I was gaming off of boot camping my iMac. And then in Bristol, I was boot camping my MacBook Air. Um and uh, now I have my Windows PC, an actual gaming PC once again. Nice. And uh, so um, I was one of the people who um, I, I wait for um, PC versions of Grand Theft Auto games. I think I mentioned yeah. previously that I was uh, I had tried putting GTA Five on my MacBook Air and it just wasn't worth it. Well, now I have my yeah. more beefy PC, and lo and behold, it. Uh, it was downloading so slowly through the Rockstar install service that it it, it predicted three days. And wow. over 48 hours of me trying to make it work, I had to continuously keep my PC running, mm. plugged into my, my router. It's still getting about 300 KB per second, uh, and it kept disconnecting, and I'd have to reconnect it and... Uh, Windows Update restarted my computer, and then it, I tried to restart the download, and that caused the whole thing to crash every time. Oh, really? Yep. So then I uninstalled GTA, the installer and everything, reinstalled yep. it. Just start and, again. And started again, and it uh, didn't even need to be rebooted this time. It just needed to disconnect and to, and crash once, and then it would crash from then on. 
Oh, man. And so over the course of a week, I tried to get this freaking game installed. Uh, and it just was insanely difficult. Uh, so I've had no success at all. I, I have it now on my computer, and I've played the first mission. Like, yep. where you're Franklin and you chase your friend. Okay, yeah. Down, yeah. And then you report to Dude Guy. Oh, and I got a haircut. Oh, this is the best nice. part. So I went to um, I went to complain, like to support, that like yeah. I, I, ca- I cannot install this game. It installed on a MacBook Air, no problem, but somehow it can't install on an actual gaming PC. Uh, is this the same uh, the same copy, the same version? Yeah, yeah, because I I had it, I yeah. had it through Rockstar Social Club, and guess what? Yep. My Rockstar Social Club account got hacked, and there was a guy really? named Lucio forty three. He had changed my name which apparently you can only do once per uh, Rockstar account, changed my username, leveled my character uh, from level 2 to level 14, uh, spent all my pre-order bonus money, and and joined a guild or whatever you call the gangs in uh, GTA V uh, called Evil. This sounds horrific. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I had to first. Apart, I from, the, to, apart from the free level up, it's well, yeah, that's not too bad. Now, I, I mean, I don't mind plot. I kind of like plot, and apparently, most of the plot in GTA Online is in the early levels because it's teaching you the game. Um, right. Also, I, he, I mean, he bought an apartment which has a ten-car garage. Isn't the one I would have picked, um, but I guess that's what I'm stuck with. And at least he didn't yeah. squander the money in stupid ways. He definitely bought some tardy outfits. Just he bought loads uh, of t-shirts. Yeah, corsets. Like I, I chose to play as a as a redheaded woman. Is that sometimes is what I do? Um, for the, mostly because I was missing Catherine when I started playing GT Online uh, on Alex's Xbox, and they upgraded the account on my MacBook, and then discovered it was just not worth it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's so, gone from a little bit gone from a little bit creepy to slightly sweet playing as a uh, redheaded woman. That's uh, <laughs> quite a turn there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so that was weird. Um, uh, so I got that resolved. Although now then I started pestering them, so I had to get my account back before I could even run the installer. So that was the pre stuff, and then I couldn't. Yeah. Um, uh, so I. I so then I couldn't install it. I don't even remember what I what I did. It was a whole bunch of rig. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, I had to unplug all of the things. the the help The generic help template. That uh, so apparently everyone had problems in day one of the day yeah, patch, yeah. Uh, downloading uh, at a slow pace and and having this crashing problem and that that all got fixed. So none of the solutions. Uh, to the exact same problem made sense because it wasn't day one anymore. Um, sure, and that patch had already come through. And then like... their generic template, like boilerplate email, that said, please disable all of the things. Like, take out any USB device that's not a mouse and keyboard. Then go into your sound card settings and set it to 444,000 kilohertz or whatever. Instead of yeah. forty eight, which is the, like the Blu ray, like so, set it to like CD quality instead of above. So no HD for you. So you you had to go through loads of different 
issues to try and get it resolved. And this was just from like a standard email. And this standard email was like, try this. And I'm like, uh, okay. And then yeah, it started installing. Yeah. And, it, and somehow unplugging USB devices, changing my sound card default made the installer, I didn't even have to uninstall it. It just started running fine. And really? it downloaded at about two megs per second. Oh, right. So it all sorted itself out. Sort of, but now I'm I'm loath to use high definition output on my uh, computer because yeah. I don't know if GTA will just blow up in my face. Oh man! So did uh, did Rockstar sort of also resolve all of the issues with the account and things? Yeah, they did. They 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 did. It, you know, it took a little bit of ver- verification, but I had all the answers, etc. And the, I had nice. control of the email address because luckily they hadn't changed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, uh, sounds sounds like a trial. Yeah, and then I sort of played it a bit. was was satisfied. First person mode looked cool. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just sort of tired of dealing with GTA. Like, yeah, like, plot wise, like so I log into the character and it's someone else's character on GTA Online. Mm. And then the plot, I'm hours and hours behind what me and Alex did on the Xbox. And it's like. <sighs> it's become a grind. It was a grind to yeah. install. So I, I suspect it'll you, be a couple of weeks and then I'll get back into it. But Yeah, mate, do you think that they released... Obviously, they had to spend time, um, as they did going from um, previous generation 360 and PS3, going up to the, the next gen of consoles. They had to, to port that across. Do you think that with them having to take all of this time to port it from whichever console version they then did into a PC version, um, it's just too late and as you say, you're sort of burnt out on it. You've already spent time with it. I mean, it's a game that's been out for 18 months now. I yeah. know, was it about three three months ago it came out on, on PC? Uh, less than that. It, it was supposed to come out three months ago. It only actually came out mid-April, I think. So, like, mm. just under two, one and a half. Um, yeah. Because they kept pushing it back because uh, they weren't ready. And then... To have the day one issues that they ended up having is sort of really unfortunate after three pushbacks or whatever. Um, sure. And the only real difference um, outside of porting, like feature-wise, is that um, first-person mode, and that was pushed to the PS4 and the X-Bone as well. It just it's it's odd given that like all machines are basically the same architecture now. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, um, for sure. That the porting, given that the PS4 and the X-Bone have been out for long enough, the porting took that long. Mm. Yeah, it did seem like it's, um, from the way that everything's described in terms of architecture on the new consoles and for PCs and things, it seemed like it did take a while for them to be able to get it over. But, you know, I suppose there's lots of issues that uh, not not being a game developer or programmer that I don't understand that probably arose and... Um, Stop them from being able to to release it any earlier. So, yeah, my problem with um, that is all the other developers seem to manage to port uh, have have evil either simultaneous or a couple months staggered PC release on the new next gen consoles. Mm. Like we're not seeing that much of a difference. Like yeah. Witcher Three yeah. came out basically the same time, didn't it? Um, I, I'm not sure. I believe so. Yeah, I think it came out uh, the same day on um, on PS4, um, Xbox One, and PC. So yeah. yeah, I think it all released at the same time. Even um, so, all the digital downloads as well. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't know what sort of rock stars, um, not excuse as such, but um, reasoning is for for a staggered release. Well, they've um, maybe it's just comes down to team size and things like that, but Rockstar are quite a big developer, I think. So yeah, I don't think they see the point of PC gamers is the big problem. Yeah, uh, it could be because, like, so uh, I don't know if you heard, um, uh, they backpatched through Steam San Andreas, one of the version updates. Because so when they yeah. released the greatest hits or something for Xbox 360, they had lost the license to some of the songs. Oh right! And so they, yeah. So they had a, a limited soundtrack, um, and then for n- no reason, really, no clear reason, they pushed that version to the PC as well, taking songs off of your computer that were already there and legitimately purchased. Because when you bought the game, you had ac- license to the songs. Yeah, you got the license to the songs. Yeah, and presumably. If you they could no longer sell the, the, them, you shouldn't take it away from someone who had it the day before. Um, and at the same time, it the they they pushed. Um, there was some problem with widescreen as well. Like there was a couple technical problems, uh, things that they did for the Xbox version that just broke things on the um, when they pushed it to the PC. And so a bunch of the mods don't work anymore. Right. And San Andreas was. The yeah, first I know they mod community game for them they've sort of cracked down or so i hear they cracked down a little bit on some of the mods um for gta 5 on the on the pc version yeah that was uh, yeah. that was sort of what i was getting to which was that uh, if you have a modded version uh you will be banned from gta just straight up banned straight up wow so really you can only mod the uh, you can only mod the single player game sorry or you can only you, you can only use mods in the single player game. Yeah, but apparently, if the if it checks to see for modifications and just outright bans you. Wow. Yeah, there. I don't know. I I heard about this a week and a half or so ago, so I don't know if they've uh, changed. Okay. Uh, if they've weakened it, but they basically said modders aren't welcome on GTA Online. I mean, it's quite possible with all of the the, the backlash with um, Steam and paid mods and things like that um you know people want to mod their games they want to have the ability to be able to do that um and a lot of people complained about having to then pay for a lot of these um modification whether it's sort of buying um, different uh, texture packs or things for games People didn't seem to like it, so maybe um, sort of Rockstar or uh, Take Two, who are the like, parent company, just realised that people want to mod games; they want to have that option to be able to do so, and that's the whole reason for bringing it out on PC, almost, so people are able to then play with the game. Oh yeah, um, to change the experience. Like, there's a mod for San Andreas that I really enjoyed, which basically was almost a total conversion in the sense that you could play as a cop. Right, but it had its own LAPD skin. It you could check the computer to look people up. It, it spawned criminals nice. better. Like it was a full-on proper, not just cool skin or you know flight power sort of mod that we're used to. Mm. It, and it was really fun. It, it put breathed some life into that game. Oh, maybe it was GTA Four. I can't remember one of those non-GTA Five yeah, GTA's. Yeah. It just adds an extra element to it as well, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it it it, it really is cool what people are doing. Uh, Just Cause 2 uh, on the PC, if you don't have it, the mo- there are some stellar mods on that. 
That's a f- yeah. first of all, that's a fun ass game. Second of all, there is some stupid shit you can get up to because it's basically sandbox island GTA or, or Michael Bay is what I was trying to say. Like it's yeah, just- yeah, yeah. I've I've played it a, a little bit. Um, like I played it on console. I think I played it on um, PlayStation Three uh, and and enjoyed the game. And then um, I think there was a, a Steam free weekend for it. So um, is that right? Possibly. I played it on my PC and just couldn't get on with the because um, I don't use a controller on my PC. Just couldn't get on with the mouse and keyboard controls. Oh really? Just found them too. Yeah, found them a little cumbersome. Sort of trying to you know one of the elements that I really liked from Just Cause was the the whole idea of the grappling hook oh, um, yeah. and the, being able to to flight. sort of bomb through the sky and parachute and then grapple hook onto something and parachute and, and be able to play like that, but. I just found it a bit too cumbersome using a keyboard to have to try and constantly switch between doing things. Hmm. I, uh, I, I mean, I guess most of my gaming has been mouse and keyboard, so I didn't really find that problem. Although, now that you mentioned it, I do remember it took me a while to get good at grapple travel with the, with the keyboard and mouse. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's something you put enough time into, you're going to, to get the gist of it and be able to, to crack on like that, aren't you, So. So, um, at the risk of um, stopping our meandering, um, why don't we jump to you? What? What? It sounds like you've got a repeat on your gaming plate. What would that be? I do. I do. I. I was just thinking. I have already banged through this um, signature brew, Vienna Lager. <laughs> Fair enough. So I'm wondering whether it's time for another beer. Um, it quite possibly is for me. I was going to whether say, it is for you, as you've been talking quite a lot about. Your experiences <laughs> and horrors with uh, with GTA Five, yeah. installing games. Well, you've been able to catch up. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so I suppose I shall just describe the beer I'm going to drink. Sounds great. It is um, a Buxton Brewery beer, and it's a red raspberry rye. Um, and underneath that it says Berliner Weiss, Ooh. which I'm guessing is um, the hop hmm. that they've put in it, possibly. Um, and I think they've just thrown in. A load of raspberries at some point in the process, possibly in the kettle while it's boiling up. And I should mention, as I'm opening this beer now, uh, you may have seen that we made some beer. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys uh, last weekend. Yeah, so Uh, my first experience of home brewing. Go on. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, no, it's fine, man. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, not something, not something that I'd done before. but found it really interesting. It was really good. It took us a while. We managed to get a little bit of a couple of FIFA games in while it was uh, <laughs> boiling up as well. Um, but yeah, just really interesting to actually see how all of this excellent beer that I'm drinking is made and the, the process that you go through to be able to get um, to be able to get a beer. So it was good. Um, Alex, Alex so, knows what he's talking about. So uh, what hops did you put in out of curiosity? Uh, now you're asking, um, Chinook, is it Chinook or something similar to Chinook, like the helicopter, but possibly not quite. Mm. Um, I don't remember what the other ones were. I think what, um, what we were trying to do is, um, do something similar to the, um, Brewdog Punk IPA. Yeah, that's what, uh, you, um, you tweeted anyway. Yeah, yeah, so, sort of Alex, um, sort of knew the recipe or had found the recipe. So we'd sort of tried a little bit to to mimic that, I suppose. But um, 
I suppose it should be determined whether it is like that in a couple of weeks' time, or a few, even longer than that, in a few weeks' time. Once it's all been bottled or kegged, or however we're going to, I'm guessing you guys get it out. I suppose bottle it, and then uh, my experience with the the brews uh, using the uh, Alex's gear is that uh, uh, we need a few weeks to really age in the bottle. Yeah. Um, because the last batch, um, we, <laughs> us being who we are, we sort of, once it became tasty, sort of bombed through it, and there were only a few bottles on reserve, so to speak. And then near to when I left Bristol, we, we cracked the last couple, and they were fantastic. I think they were probably the best yeah. gear of Alex's made that I've been yeah. had the privilege to eat and drink. And so I would say... Try and remind him to wait because it's re- he's a bit like a, a child at Christmas with his brewed beer. He because he's put the time in, so he's really curious what it tastes like, and then it's you know drinking the fruits of his labor. Yeah, definitely. He has mentioned that before. That um, rather than giving it sort of two or three weeks in the bottle, he sort of gets to uh, about a week or sort of week and a half, ten days, yeah. and he's just sort of thinking about it. And it's because con- it's constantly on his mind how it's tasting. He's like, "Well, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just try one. Maybe I'll just try two. Yep. Let's them go uh, day by day. Tries another bottle, but um, so uh, this Buxton Red, Buxton Red, mm-hmm. Buxton Brewery Red Raspberry Rye. Smells really good. Very raspberry. Are you a big Getting fan a lot of the fruited of beers? I can't remember. Um, so I've not had many fruited beers. Uh, only a few. And I'm not a massive... I can't say I'm a massive for fruited beers. But from the um, or from what we had left in the Honest Brew box, which is shout out for this week to Honest Brew, they provide all of the beers that I'm drinking today. So that's done. Good. Um, this seemed like one of the most interesting ones there was. Um, and because I'm not a big sort of fruited beer drinker, I thought I would try it. Um, and I like raspberries, so it seemed like a good one to go for. Excellent. But it does, it, 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 it's very, um, we had a, a, a red, um, um, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the Siren, um, Siren Craft Beer, um, one of their red IPAs. Um, and this raspberry is, I would suggest, a little redder than that was. That was really opaque. It was really dark, so you're only getting a little bit of red around the edges. This is very red, which I would expect from a, a fruited um, red beer. So, Oh, it's very fizzy. Oh, it's very raspberry. Bloody hell. That hits you straight away. Hmm. Um, on the Quite nice, uh, on the fruited beer front, uh, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of having a lambic. No, which are Belgian beers. Um, not easy to find unless you happen to have the right sort of liquor store around you. Um, but they tend to be uh, made with wild yeast. Um, okay. And uh, uh, but what's really interesting is normally. Um, you sort of add the different tasting things post fermentation. Um, here yeah. they're they're open fermented with usually raspberries, which is what made, reminded me. But often other fruits like apricots and um, and because of when and the amount of fruit that's sort of thrown in, 
they they are distinctly fruity and I don't like fruity beers like um, mm. one of the most popular beers from the Wild Rose Brewery in my hometown Calgary is the Wild Rose Raspberry which is you know people who don't like beers uh, male and female everyone's like oh yeah I could do with a raspberry and I just sort of think it's meh but the raspberry lambic I, uh, I had was I, I was just phenomenal uh, it's L A M B I C S lambics I guess the S cool. is just pluralization but Mm. Um, given that Alex isn't here, I thought I'd throw some random beer fact that I knew it. Worth looking for. Got to be done, definitely. I mean, with this, it's very... It's it's like a very fizzy, um, quite sour, um, sort of raspberry juice, almost. Uh, I suppose the sourness is, is, you know, the difference that you get between having a, a beer versus having just a, like a raspberry cordial sort of drink. Right. Um, in sort of like, you know, sparkling water rather than still or something. So there's a, a very slight beer taste, not much, not, it's not hoppy in any way whatsoever. Um, but I think that sourness just sort of grounds it a little bit. But it's an odd beer. Um, I'm going to try the, I know it's local. Um, well, it's a Shelburne, Nova Scotia, Shelburne's, not it's just outside of Halifax. Um, yeah, it's called the Boxing Rock Brewery. Uh, I'll I'll read you there. So they um, they sell bottled stuff in in the Nova Scotia liquor stores, which again is liquor control board yep. stuff. Um, but also uh, at the Halifax Farmers Market, they sell uh, from reusable. Um, sort of one liter bottles with the you know um, like the Hrolsch, um top you know metal thing yeah, like pop it reusable so you spend yep. six bucks you spend eight bucks on a beer but then it's only two dollars for the content it's six dollars for the deposit so it's super okay. cheap at the at the farmers market buying straight from them because it's basically just their way of getting things out yeah um, so they say our beer is legendary. According to local folklore, Boxing Rock is where bickering seamen were left by their captain to sort out their differences. <laughs> the choice, box until only one could return to the ship or shake hands and share a beer. Either way, there are only a few short hours until high tide. We say drink up. And so the Boxing Rock nice. is actually a, a thing in Nova Scotia. Uh, and that's what they named their uh, brewing company off of. And, uh, nice, a little bit of local history in there as well. It's always yeah. good, it's always good. And so today it's one of their seasonals. It's the Rule 42 English Pale Ale. It's about 5.3%. Uh, that telltale corks popping. Oh, wow. That nose is amazing straight out of the bottle. Nice. That's what we like. A big, a big nose is always good. Uh, because it just got popped, I... I I should take a picture, but my phone is off for podcasting purposes. I managed to pour a yeah, beer mug of yeah. about four-fifths head. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got this a lovely sweetness coupled with strong, uh, sort of a medium hint malt. That sweetness is um, like a light fruit. Very summery um, smelling, which isn't what you would normally think of from an English pale ale? Yeah. What is that? I can't tell what that fruit is. Very light. It'll come. It'll come. You'll figure it out the more you drink, the more you smell it. Or, uh, mm. 
work its way through. It's when it just clicks in your head. It's very difficult. Like we've chatted about this before. It's very difficult to describe beer or at least to sort of the layman and to, to myself. It's very difficult to be able to pick out those flavors. Mm-hmm. But um, you do find that, that obviously the more you drink, the more you start to recognize certain hop combinations, you know, sort of individual hops, certain flavors that they put in and things like that. So, yeah, I used to just say the more you drink, obviously, the better you get. Them. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And now I just I'm use like, really oh, that's lemony. Yeah, just use really flowery words. Like it's oh, it's very delicate. Yeah. It's uh, it's really light. And good, good. Oh, that's a good beer. So it's um nice. It's got the the right amount of um hoppy bitterness to to classify itself um, as an English pale ale. Oh, not not too much hops, but that that bitter coppery aftertaste is definitely there. Um, but again, that it sort of whatever that sort of light fruitness is, that's sort of the finish is a little bit deep copper, and then on top of it, this light taste. It's really quite pleasant. Good, nice man, nice, excellent. So I am going to discuss the Witcher Three some more. Ooh. Do tell. People who listened last week or in the last podcast episode will know that I'd only played a little bit of this game. I'd only sort of um, got into the tutorial area, um, ridden around a little bit, done a few quests, hit a few markers, discovered a few things. So I'm probably now, after the last two sort of, you know, week and a half, two weeks, I'm probably about 40 hours into this game now. Oh, so a fair um, bit. Yeah, and it is it is massive. There's still areas I've uh, that I've just not discovered yet. Um, as the people that will listen know, but for you at least, that it's a um, an action RPG, very similar in the vein to something like Shadow of Mordor, crossed with um, Skyrim. Mm. So you've got that very um, action combat sort of system. Um, but with a, a big open world, it's you know it's a fantastic game in the in its storytelling and its depth of character, um, things like side quests, even just the small bits of dialogue you get when you go out on a contract to kill a monster. You, you, you go up to someone to start the contract off and go up to an NPC to start it off, and they will give you a backstory, which they should do, that um, uh, you know about why this monster's out there. Sometimes you go and discover some um, evidence to suggest what kind of monster that is so you can then prepare for the battle. Go back to that person, they give you a little bit more exposition. But it's not just something that I got from the first couple of um, you know, contract missions or secondary side missions. Everything is so fleshed out and it's not repeated you know, conversations. You're getting great dialogue in, in all of it. It just really fleshes out the world. Um, and and it sort of it, it tells because I've spent so much time in it, and I feel like I I don't feel like I've got barely got anywhere, but I just feel like there's so much more to discover. Um, you know, there's so much more quests to do, so much more story to un- unravel. Um, just really, really enjoying it. Um, but but I do have some very minor issues with it, um, which obviously previously I've not. Um, not discovered as such, but the combat could be a little bit better. It's a little bit awkward and a little bit difficult um, trying to orientate yourself. Um, so it's a third person, so the camera normally hovers just 
above you, just behind, almost looking at the uh, the top of your, or, you know, just the, the the back of your head almost. Um, and sometimes you know that someone's behind you, but you're having to use your, the, the twin analog sticks to try and zoom your uh, view around. You're, you're facing them. So suddenly you get a view on screen of um, Geralt, the character, facing towards the screen. So the camera isn't fixed behind the back of their head. It might be something that um, I can change. I've not looked into it. And it's not that much of a big issue, but it's just a small some niggle that in some battles you sort of get a bit disorientated I suppose that could almost be seen as a uh, could be seen as a plus because that may be how you would feel within a a small skirmish with several uh, enemies Mm. you know it's not a massively realistic game so (laughs) why that would be brought out as a a realistic point um, you know might not actually be a valid reason but it's just a it's a very small sort of niggle, but because it's quite, um, you know, 50% of the, or maybe not quite 50%, maybe sort of 40% of the game is fighting. Right. Sometimes, you know, when 10% of that 40% of your game, so it starts to... 4% you know, when, of the game. Yeah, when 5%, 6% of your game, it gets a little bit awkward and a little bit annoying it sort of adds up a little bit and, and you know, you, you sort of, after this many hours in the game, I've worked out how to sort of try and spin my camera around as quickly as possible and things like this. Right. I think that's uh, a huge issue a, though. Uh, like, yeah. I think it's bigger than, than we often give credit to because it seems like a minor point, but like you said, if it's ever present, uh, it, it's what sort things like that, which you would hope would be caught in like QA testing. Um, can change a good, like a great game, down to a good game, uh, yeah, or yeah. a good game even worse, right? It's it's it, they gameplay is why it's not a movie, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, little exactly. gameplay yeah. things that are recurrent. So like Mirror's Edge, I super enjoyed, um, but because of your lack of seeing your feet uh, and the design of a lot of the jumping puzzles, I. Yeah. I, I didn't finish it because there were a couple spots where, like, I knew I, knew I could eventually figure it out, but it was it's just like, well, I don't want to have to learn how to play this game in when it it's sort of it's clearly of a certain type of game that I'm reasonably proficient at in in the in with regards to sensitivity to movements, um, perspective, etc. Um, however, because of the design of the game. I have to rejig the way I play that type of game for this. And sometimes mm. in certain puzzles, I felt like I was just training myself to do that puzzle and I couldn't carry that learning forward to other puzzles. Like it just was a little too... The, because you didn't have the precision that the design needed, you weren't really learning how to be precise. You were learning how to deal with this problem. Yeah, More by yep. rote than learning technique. And that broke the game. Yeah, for me. yeah, yeah. The, the, I suppose it's it's. Hopefully, this isn't something that um, you know impacts uh, a huge amount. And it, I mean, it's not caused me to um, repeatedly have to fight the same encounter. Um, you know, more. Than, I don't think it's ever been the reason why I've lost an encounter and why I've lost a battle with something, um, which is good. So it hasn't stopped my progression as such 
Um, but it's just a little annoying when you, you, you know, you go down to a very minimal amount of health and you have to do something that you wouldn't necessarily have to do because of the mechanic. Right. Or because of, of the lack of. But, yeah, without being pointed towards that, um, yeah, I suppose it does become an issue. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But it is still a fantastic game. Excellent. And everybody should should possibly play it. So I'm waiting for it definitely. to drop a little in price. I uh, mm. like to play list. is pretty long, um, which yeah. actually brings me to... Uh, so I've got two other partially played games uh okay and one bit of news that i wanted to talk about okay um, so let's let's uh what we'll do is we'll briefly 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 hmm. chat about the uh the two games that uh the other two games that you've played um we'll hit your news and then we'll move on to the topic which i didn't again didn't shout out at the start of the episode ah, but um but basically top. we're gonna yeah but basically we're gonna just have a quick discussion about um sequels or more so, what sequel we would like to see. So if there's a game that we would like to see uh, another iteration of. Um, so we should go back into that a little bit later. So, yeah, why don't you crack on, Adel, with, um, with the second game you played. All right, the second game is a little game uh, by Ubisoft called Assassin's Creed. Okay. Notice I didn't the say first one? anything else. Yeah. Um, so... Between hopping around, um, living in various places with various subpar gaming slash my or gaming apparatus, I should say, apparati, apparati, um, uh, coupled with my neurotic completionism, um, mm. I've decided, and we'll see how far I get, um, that this summer will be the summer of uh, franchise plays. Okay. Um, so I never actually finished Assassin's Creed 1. I got sort of four or five cities in, and then I abandoned my computer, and then I got it cheap on Amazon on my Xbox and played it a bit. And then, and then I actually was almost done Assassin's Creed 1 um, when I, uh, about a year and a half ago, and then my flatmate, who is a serious gamer, he... Um, He's like, oh, that game. He got it on Steam and, and caught up and finished it but, but before I finished the city I had just moved on to. And nice. sort of took the wind out of my sails on that. Just, yeah, like, just banged it out. Well, and he came out, it came out, of the, out to the living room because that's where my Mac was and was like, oh, yeah, I remember this part. And it's like, all right. Uh, so I have all but the most recent two, I think. I don't have Rogue okay. and Unity. Uh, yeah. All on on Steam from various sales, and I thought, at the very least, I should deal. So my Steam list broke four hundred sometime in the past month. Yep. So uh, that's a lot of games. Yeah, and so I put a moratorium on buying games. Um, one because I don't have a lot of money, and two because this is ridiculous. Um, and so I thought I would start playing through some of them. Uh, I can't guarantee I'll I'll stick to a franchise, but I thought I was st- sort of the ones that I had several iterations of. 
iterations of, I would at least start with the first one, and if I got bored, I might move to the next one, etc. Because, like, apparently, Assassin's Creed 2 or 3, I can't remember, 2... No, the pirate one is widely regarded as the best one. And that's yeah, so I've um, I've not played um, which is Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag. Right, I've cool. not played that one. I I stopped at Assassin's Creed Three because it was diabolical. Um, however, I really really liked um, Assassin's Creed Two and the two games that followed it, uh, Brotherhood and Revelations. Yeah, um, I just for my perchance for. Um, Italian classical architecture. Mm, fair enough. Those games were were fantastic. So, um, not just for that, but also gameplay wise. I mean, the first game's great, but the second game just tightens up the controls. Yeah. It gives you a little bit more freedom, and it just plays a little bit more better. It's a little bit more interesting, I think, the, the second game is than the first. Yeah, I heard that the second was probably the best of the series for Assassin's Creeding. But Black mm. Flag was the most fun, but that's because the piracy stuff was really fun, but it wasn't really assassinating anymore. This yeah, is the vibe yeah. I've gotten. Um, so those are the two I'm looking forward to, and who knows how long I'll stay at anything in the middle. But um, so there's that, and then indie games as well, I've got a huge queue of. And so basically, my PC is hooked up to the projector of the basement, and that's the, nice. the beefy thing. Um, so more recent games slash older blockbuster games I'll play with all the bells and whistles on there and then the iMac on when I've got Windows on can play all the indie games and so if I talk about an indie game it's because I've actually been productive at, at my research and otherwise I'll be talking about stuff I did in the basement <laughs> nice nice so what's what's the third game that you've uh, you've played uh, okay and I've only played about uh 13 minutes i was more curious than anything i'm a big fan of lego uh you know i i, I really enjoyed my, my few dalliances with minecraft and yeah. this week lego worlds came out it's okay. uh it's it's a persistent galaxy of sort of disc space uh, disc sized worlds uh minecrafty i don't really know it's in early access on steam but it's still about 13 dollars if it wasn't for the fact that it was Lego and I, I was curious and broke my moratorium uh, in, a, in a peak of weakness, um, <laughs> I wouldn't know much more about it. Uh, it's made by Telltale Games, who does do, do all of the Lego games, so I at least know that like, it'll be fairly solid and stable. Um, and I'm just super curious. The trailer, if you uh, get a chance to take a look at it, Shows that you can, you know, you can be the cowboy or the explorer, all kinds of things, and you can visit different lands. And I'm just really curious on how that'll be done. Like, yeah, I mean, the Minecrafty buildy stuff. Just, I mean, that makes total sense, right? Presumably, you can break things and make new styles of Lego piece, and then build your Lego set if you wanted from life into fake life. Um. Mm. Uh, and the reason I uh, another thing I wanted to bring up was um, I don't know if you've heard of Lego Dimensions. Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah, so that's coming out in the fall, and there's a bunch of exclusive sets that apparently all the Lego collectors are super eager for because there are some um, sets and minifigs that won't be available outside of Lego Dimensions, and they're all licensed content. All right. um, so I think they're going to sell. So this this is for those of you who don't know. It's like the. Um, Oh, I think we did talk about this a couple weeks ago, maybe. Uh, the Disney Infinity 2.0 slash 
yeah, um, we did Sky, yeah. Skylanders, Skylanders game. type yeah. type game, um, where you can build things and and interact with your Lego on your uh, your gaming device as well, and so that's it. Seems like Lego not content to be the world's largest and most profitable uh, gaming company as of 2014, um, are branching into video games in a more strong way, which I didn't think was possible. Yeah, I suppose it's not just the um, sort of tie-in franchises now. It's Lego. It's their own sets, their own um, worlds that they have created, and so um, they, which are going to be in this, isn't it? So it's, they had Lego figures, uh, minifigures online, which was a um, free-to-play plus, like, free-to-play so you could be a subscriber or just play regularly. A MMO light type game, which was on Windows. Um, like, basically, you had a click like and, like, two abilities, which you clicked on, like, super kidified, um, but you basically explored it and did mini-quests, etc., uh, in the various okay. Lego worlds, like castle, yeah. pirates, etc. And they just made that fully free-to-play this month. Um, and it's, it, it's apparently the writing is on the wall for that thing, and it sounds like... I suppose it's in anticipation of this, uh, this new game coming out, I suppose. Yeah, although it's a different developer, I think, who did Lego minifigures online. And they had tied it to products, so they have their minifigures lineup, which is just collect a series of 16 minifigures from different themes, like, so, you know, rocker, vampire, etc., alien, cyclops, it'll be all be in the same sort of minifigure series 12. And series 12, and I think 13, came with codes that you could put in to get that actual toy as a playable nice. character in minifigures online. Um, yeah. And so now that's all probably not going to appear. Whatever, whatever. I think it's 14. But anyway, so I just thought it was interesting because Lego games are super fun, but they've they've just been this niche, niche licensed, um, fun to play with your kids slash non-gamer friends or bash your head against the puzzles for, you know, 100%ing, which is actually quite tough. And now they've got this, they're going, honing in on the Minecraft market and the Skylanders market in the next sort of six months. It's going to be super interesting. My piece of news is that uh, Steam has announced pre-ordering for their hardware, uh, top of which is the Steam controller, um, nice. which I don't know if you've seen, but it's sort of Xbox-styled-ish. Uh, it's got a D-pad, yeah. an analog stick, four buttons, I think a touchpad. Okay, um, yeah, I've seen, a, I've seen a little bit of it, but not much. I seem to remember there's been quite a few iterations of it it's been sort of leaked and shown um you know with various screenshots um and and photos of sort of different versions of it for quite a while now it's been sort of slated to come out for a for a little while hasn't it yeah i think so um they also announced steam link which is i think their sort of playstation home style thing 
So it's just... oh, the uh, the PlayStation TV style thing where it oh, streams sorry, the meant. games yeah. straight to your TV. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Steam Link allows existing Steam gamers to expand their range of their current gaming setup via their home network. Nice. So connect your Steam PC or Steam machine to your home network, plug into a TV, and stream the game to the link at 1080p. Which Ooh, that seems for someone like me who normally just plays console games plays a few PC games, a few games through Steam. Um, there's a few games which I play with mouse and keyboard but don't have a controller for. This does seem like a very interesting new piece of tech. Yeah, between the controller so, and the link, which they are selling as a bundle, I think. And those are straight from Valve. Um, yeah. Because they also, I, I don't know when the Steam machines are coming out, but those are all licensed, like Alienware... And some other people have them. Uh, sort of, it'll come with Steam OS on it with their hardware, um, mm. and presumably HDMI out only. Uh, you know, made to look like a little set top box. But with Steam controller and Link, uh, if you know, you can play. So things like my Assassin's Creed foray, like that. That I, I I've got uh, Xbox wireless receiver for my PC. And, mm-hmm. of course, I'm playing Assassin's Creed stuff on my controller because it's awkward and horrible with the mouse and keyboard. Yeah, yeah. But this, this nice. step takes out that sort of bad, uh, you know, the a lot of games are being, because the more money's in the consoles these days, they're being mm. optimized for one type of input. But now, oh, <laughs> um, now we're... Uh, we you're getting some supposedly a really great uh, controller um, built into your Steam machine, and you sort of I think they're really trying to say what's the point of getting an Xbox or a PS4 for those of you who've been waiting when you can play on your big TV with a controller, not only the new games but also all the old ones you have, um, and and just to be able to to have a, a slightly different experience. From a, a you know a mouse and keyboard small sort of monitor game to be able to take it to a um, what you're more used to with a console experience, I suppose. Right. So it's uh, yeah, I mean it's something that someone like me um, would be very interested in picking up. Definitely, definitely. So shall we move on to our third beer and on to our topic? Sounds good. Yep. I am going to drink a Beaver Town. Smog Rocket Smoked Porter. Um, and with all the Beaver Town beers, it's in a can. Excellent. And that's what you get. I don't know whether you're ready to drink your third beer yet. Uh, oh, I am moving yeah. forward. Ooh, this is good. I do like a porter. Me too. I suppose why I chose it as my, my last beer. So, it's very dark, as you would expect. Ooh, that's good. That's got a very good nose. What's it like? It smells like a porter. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Don't get much more from it. It's very sweet. I'm going to wait because I just I did what you did earlier, and there's a little more head than uh, there, than there be. probably should be. So I'm going to allow it to settle slightly before I taste it. What um, what's the third beer you're uh, you're cracking onto, huh? Uh, I'm drinking the Hops and Bolts from Mad and Noisy Brewing. 
uh, uh, not their tagline is. Is that one a local beer? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I, it was on clearance at the uh, liquor store, to be honest. So nice. I've never seen Madden Noise before. Um, not Madden so it's Noise. new for you. Yeah, um, it is. In fact, uh, where are they? Creamore Springs. Oh, it it is Canadian. It's uh, Ontario, though it looks like. Um, so their tagline is "Not for the faint of hops." Nice. And the Hops and Bolts is an India Pale Lager. Okay. So something a little bit different. Yeah, I thought I'd give it a try. Good. Um, so they say they've riveted together the best components of a European lager, a West Coast IPA, and a classic English Pale Ale to build an intriguingly bitter yet multi-hopped-up brew. Nice, nice. I know when we had the um, we had a Beaver Town in the last episode, um, which was um, the India Stout, and that sort of had a, a few elements of um, something like an India Pale Ale, but with a with the stout. Obviously, a lot more coming through from a stout, but you get a little bit more flavour. Um, it, it did sort of have a slight flavour of something like an India Pale Ale mm. um, last week. So uh, yeah. I, I've never really had a like a mashup beer before where you were almost getting sort of two styles. Yeah, so it's um a nose is not like an IPA at all. There's they I don't think they did the secondary hopping that usually gives that sort of huge hoppy aroma. Mm. Um it's actually got a very very flat nose, it's almost not there. Um Well it might be because I still have the very strong rule forty two in my system. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just takes over a little bit oh interesting has it got a good taste it does it's it's interesting uh, it's um the f- I'm going to oddly start it. the finish is sort of malty um with a little okay. bit of hoppy bitterness lingering but not sort of your standard like if it's an IPA you, you usually have that um the finish is sort of lasting for 10, 15 seconds, that strong hop. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have that. It is quite, um, it, it's definitely a lager in terms of carbonation. Like, it's quite bubbly, and that sort of yep. opens up the taste in a very unique way. Nice. Um, I would say um, the IP, the Indian Pale hoppiness sort of comes and goes it doesn't really stay with the beer as it normally would in an IPA like yeah yeah so it's got this sort of light airy character and then it sort of starts like hey there's some hops here and then it finishes with hey this has been malted cool yeah 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 you sort of I suppose you get a little bit of each one style maybe taking more preference than the other Mm mm-hmm but it definitely ends a little mm. sweeter than, than an IPA would as well. I would say okay. if you were in IPA training, this would be a good step too. Nice, nice. That sounds good. This this Beaver Town, the, uh, the Smog Rocket Smoked Porter, I'm getting a lot of smoke. It's very dry um, and it's quite sort of, um, it, it does seem quite smooth, but it's quite th- thick. So it's almost, um, I, I suppose, syrupy would be the the, the best way to do, the, the best way that I know how to describe it. But it's it's really 
as the name would suggest, it is very smoky, which is nice. It's really good. It doesn't have, um, you know, a, a lot of ports have sort of a sweet element, or at least the, the, the few ports that I've tried have a, that sweet element to them. And this does, but it, it's not overbearing. It's very light in terms of its sort of sweetness. And you're getting a lot more of a, a sort of a, a harder, sort of smoked and um, dry sort of taste to it. Hmm. Sounds quite good. Excellent. So we shall move on to our topic. And our topic this week is sequels and what sequels we would like to see. Sequels that obviously haven't been made. Uh, The reason we're talking about this is because XCOM 2 and Fallout 4 have just been announced. Sequels that are very anticipated, um, especially for me, XCOM 2, as I really liked um, XCOM Enemy Unknown. Um, So... We should start with you first, Adol. Hmm. Uh, I sort of pondered about this uh, quite a bit. And, um, I mean, one of the problems I have is a lot of AAA games are just reha- uh, are just continuations of a, of a series that maybe doesn't have the legs anymore. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, some indie darlings, like Thomas Was Alone, which just sort of worked great and ended well. Um, and... There's no real point of revisiting it. But I think um, it got me to thinking of sort of what are the kinds of franchises where I welcome these types of things. And mm. that thought made me think almost immediately of RPGs like um, Zelda and uh, Final Fantasy, where with Zelda, it's basically the same, except for a couple standouts. It's the same story told in a slightly different universe. And I really like that idea of... Um, tweaking the world and the gameplay such that it's the same like instead of pivoting on sort of like in Assassin's Creed it's the same world but a different time period and there's new gameplay mechanics this is like it's the same narrative but with the world shifted in in Zelda and I really like that approach so something like um, like the Max Payne series which yeah. is sort of off the rails now. It does because they're trying to keep making Max and that universe go through a bunch of shit. Yep, and it just doesn't make sense. Similar to F- mm-hmm. Far Cry's done it a lot better, but I think those franchises which were near and dear about you know just under ten years ago are, are still going, but in a really flubby way. I think that's this. Like I'd rather see Max Payne where. The story has the same Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, but the details are different and some of the gameplay is different and the engine's different. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed Max Payne 1, the noir story. Uh, I liked the setting. Uh, you know, it was really cool to have bullet time for the first real solid way, but the subsequent entries in the series didn't really do it for me, but I wouldn't mind going through the same basic story with even a guy named Max Payne. But, you know, the actual gameplay and the world are, are novel enough that it's not, it doesn't just feel like a remake, like an HD remake. Sure, so you're looking for something more akin to the, the first Max Payne game. Yeah. Yeah, something a bit more noir, something that um, tells a story in a very specific way. In a, in a, you know, Max Payne 3 was, I, I really liked Max Payne 3. Max Payne 2 was good as well, um, but unlike... Like the first games, I thought that they they fell down on their story. Really, they didn't have that 
that hook. That's exactly what I them. mean by there is falling apart. It just sort of was like I, it doesn't work. Like the the character arc was written well, and now you're shoehorning him into a world, and you're shoehorning shoehorning the character and the world to try and justify the sequel. I mean, that's exactly the wrong way of doing things. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Nice. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. That's um definitely something uh, different. I know there's a. a a game which is called, uh, I believe it's called White Knight, which has very recently come out, which is not a, you know not like a Max Payne game, but is in a very noir sort of style. Um, it's all about um, moving through a house and light and discovery and being able to, to get through different um, ghostly puzzles, I believe. But that is, is, seems to come across as being a very noir-type story. Um, not something that I've I've played, um, but something that I would play. I think. Um, but yeah, I can I can definitely see we don't have very many games that have that sort of um, sort of noir style. Even the first game was quite comic booky as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you really don't get a lot of you don't. Sorry. Yeah, you don't get a lot of games now that that do that either. Um, it definitely had a, a very unique take on how to tell its story. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Very How about good. yourself? Um, I think the game that, that had a massively lasting impact on a lot of the games that I play now, um, and something that we never, we haven't seen a, a direct sequel to, but you can tell um, where the the gameplay mechanics from them have been taken out of them and put into other games. Um, is a game called Vagrant Story, um, which was a PS One game. Um, you know, like 15 years ago, um, made by Squaresoft um, as The Witcher 3. It's an action RPG. It's um, almost a third-person sort of camera. It's It's got some great battle systems. It's got great sort of puzzle um, and platforming sort of elements, but it's really the story and the world that, that dragged me into that game. Um, and as I said, you can see some of the um, mechanics, sort of like the battle systems being used in other games. So Vagrant Story came out, um, I suppose, at a very similar sort of time to, I think, Final Fantasy VIII, um, okay. both made by the same developer. But it, it takes a, you know, it's it's trying to be on that same sort of level. It's trying to have that same sort of world-building element as something like a Final Fantasy game. Um, it's got great twists. It's got a good plot the characters are quite well fleshed out um it's got interesting um encounters interesting bosses interesting monsters um you know the the, the standard soldiers that you fight normally with some of them have a little bit of dialogue before you get into the encounter with them um and you can see how some of those mechanics have transposed into the later final fantasy games like 13 so you see the enemies rather than it being a battle that you're then transported into oh, as with sort of the you know the earlier final fantasies and for for such an early game in sort of the 2000s on the PlayStation 1 it looked really good as well um the, the graphics were very or, or much more akin i suppose a little bit more blocky but a, a little bit more akin to something like um, metal gear solid um, on the PlayStation One, rather than um, you know the very blocky sort of uh, Final Fantasy VII, it was almost that that Vagrant story almost seemed like that step between Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII graphics wise. Um, mm. But it, it just drew me in a little bit more than, than 
sort of the, the Final Fantasy games. Um, and we just haven't had, a, a, you know, there, there hasn't been a successor to it, even though, as I said, the mechanics have been ripped apart and, and sort of picked for various different games um, that you then get, whether it's the, the sort of the real-time battle system. Um, it, it's got a, a way in battle where you can... Um, specifically target different uh, you know you can target their limbs their body or their head oh, wow. they do different damage dependent on what you're think- you know which one you've targeted um, each of them have different uh, you know their hands or their, their their arms their legs their body have different armor values so depending on what weapon you're using it might be able to damage them better by aiming somewhere different with that type of weapon and it was quite in depth in that sort of stuff and you you get sort of you know this in-depth sort of ideas from various games things like the witcher sort of go in depth with customization of um you know putting on different um armor sets and the weapons that you can use and things like that that you know that most rpgs bring along but um but yeah vagrant story is definitely something um that i would like to see a, a, another one too not just because of the mechanics but because of the world as well which was really engrossing um and as i said had really well fleshed out characters so yeah, something that maybe not a lot of people um, have played because it was outshone quite a lot by the, the you know Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, which I believe came out either side of when Vagrant Story mm. came out. So, so um, yeah. would you want to see a sequel in the same uh, a sequel of the characters, something in the same world, or like a remake? Uh, so, I think I'd rather see uh, something in the same world. The game. I, from what I remember, the game ends on. Uh, it, there's various twists within the last sort of portion of the game, um, and the game ends quite ambiguously with the uh, the main character sort of wandering off into the sunset, um, carrying uh, uh, the antagonist in tow as such. Um, so you're left with a lot of questions, and it's left quite open at the end. Um, and and they could very easily do sort of the next chapter as such, but I think I'd like to see another story within that world, just because it was so well presented and so well fleshed out. Right. Excellent. So yeah, vagrant um, story. If you've got a PS3, I think there is a re-release of it uh, as a digital download as a PS1 classic. It is a PS1 PS3. classic, P- cap- uh, playable on PSP, PS Vita, and PS3. I may have exactly. done a quick search yeah. while you were talking about it. <laughs> it is five ninety nine. Not something Canadian. you played then. Hmm. Not something you played. No, uh, you you piqued my interest because I uh, that was I think a really sweet spot of JRPGs was the PS one. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah. Re- that's sort of also when I really got into JRPGs. Um, I hadn't really played. Um, I hadn't really played the Final Fantasy games until friends had playstations uh mm. I, like when when uh i was young uh i was given a copy of final fantasy one on the nintendo entertainment system um but okay. i was much too young to understand so me and my uh sisters we um we played ff1 got to the first boss and just died just got decimated and we didn't understand <laughs> the the idea of like Okay, the plot has taken us here, but we're not ready for here, so we need to go and fight random. We need to grind in the forest until we're strong enough to kill this boss who kills us in yeah, each character yeah. in two hits or less. So we're just like, well, this game's impossible. Done. Shelf it. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I think it happens a lot when you're when you're younger with games that are that you pick up which are a bit too complex almost for the the you know the age that you're at. Um, yeah. So a lot of a lot of older games that that sort of we've played Wouldn't seem laugh. almost like yeah, like like you've just sort of uh, you've played a little bit of them and you've just sort of as you say you've just shelved them and you've sort of never gone back to them. Um, and I don't think it's something like Vagrant Story. Um, if you're looking for like a graphical powerhouse of the the PlayStation One, it was it was great and it, it looked good, but it's not the best looking game that the you know that was on the PlayStation One by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, and I suppose when you're looking for a new game, it doesn't you know whether you're going back to previous games. For me, graphics isn't a massive issue. And it's more gameplay and things because you know you're playing a game from you know fifteen twenty years ago. Exactly. Um, but for some people, I imagine that it, it's probably quite a big detractor from from picking up sort of you know things like the PS One classics. If you'd never had a PS One, you know you were born into the um, not born into, but yeah, you, you picked up a console and you started gaming in the HD generation. And some of these things will look awful. I mean, they will look awful. So, um, so but back thing- then, it looked fantastic. Oh, sorry. Uh, this is, uh, Minecraft has also given me a ray of hope precisely because it's young kids. Kids around 12, 13, uh, i.e. kids who have only ever seen really and remember PS3 and Xbox era gaming, um, who are just, have because of the, the wonder, the, just the, the weird spark that uh, the synchronicity of of things that managed to make this an explosive hit have informed these gamers that gameplay is so much more important than uh, yeah. graphics. It gives me hope uh, that maybe and and you see that too with a lot of these uh, indie games that are getting quite popular uh, and appear on PlayStation and Xbox Live, uh, PSN and Xbox Live, um, with the eight bit. 16-bit style graphics and they're and they're becoming mm. popular and it gives me hope that um that we're not that the gaming industry at like the large gaming industry might stop concentrating on the most particles and, yeah. and move yeah. back to like caring about gameplay and narrative definitely definitely i think it's like it's almost like some of the games that we've played recently things like transistor uh things like star made Mm-hmm. Which aren't the the you know graphically they're not the fan, most fantastic looking games um, in comparison to the more lifelike real world you know most or best textured games possible. But the the gameplay is is key and is king in those games. Um, so yeah, I mean there's, there's a, well there's a wide breadth of games that you can pick up based on what you want from them, I suppose. So, I think we should probably end it there. Yeah, I think so too. So, what was your favourite beer? Um, Out of the three that you had, which would you drink again? I think... While the Indian Pale Lager was interesting, I wouldn't seek it out. Um, If I was on a patio, I would lean towards the Belgian White by Shock Top, but I think the Rule 42 English Pale Ale... Um, I wouldn't quite call it an English pale ale compared to, you know, the pale ales I've had quite recently. 
Um, yeah. But I really quite like it. I like the lingering hops. Um, actually, I like their take on it. Sort of, it's in the in the most positive way I could uh, possible. It is a very good North American style English pale ale. If that makes sense. Good. Sort of nice. Yeah. Excellent. I think. Well, I think I'm gonna go with the the first bit, the signature brew Vienna Lager. It's a good lager. It was nice. I could drink it all day. I think uh, the Beaver Town was great, um, but as a porter, it's not something that I would have. Um, you know, constantly one one pint, one can is is enough. I think of that. It's a good taste. It's it's very nice, and I'm very very glad that I'd had it. Um, but I think if I went out and the only two beers available with the signature brew, um, Vienna Lager or the, the Beaver Town, the Smog Rocket, I'd go with the, the Vienna Lager. The Buxton Brewery, while they do do some very good beers, the Red Raspberry Rye just wasn't very good for me. Uh, and that's probably because I don't really like fruity flavoured sparkly beers. Fair enough. <laughs> Which seems like an odd choice, but it did seem very interesting. So. Well, interesting is what we like. In it is, it is. Beer. Exactly. So, where can people reach you out of if they want to? I'm on Twitter, at the Omniarch. That's T-H-E-O-M-N-I-A-R-C-H. And also at Excellent. our Tanked Up Twitter handle, which is at Tanked Up underscore cast. Where you it is, it is. Us and Alex. And what do you, how you do can. we reach just you, Ben? Uh, I am at Nova underscore 47 on Twitter. Um, you can also email us. Ooh. Oh, right, yeah. Tankedup.cast at gmail.com if you really, really want to. If you have a burning question or, or you don't know what the fuck vagrant story is and you want some more information about it, just send you a Wikipedia link, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, well, let me Google that for you, Link. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Good. We have been uh, Tanked Up. Thank you very much for listening. We shall... Catch you soon. Ta. Bye. At the risk of ruining continuity, um, a 2D Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> you can't go with <laughs> you can't... You're coming up to something different. <laughs> I want yeah. to push down on a D-pad hammer on a button, probably an X button, and then let go and spin in a ball forwards. How hard is that? Yeah, man. Definitely. It can't be that hard, surely. Rather than 3D jumping, running around bullshit that Sonic seems to have become. <laughs>